Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business, whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs. Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the Arena logo front and centre on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts and let them know that Off The Block Swimming Podcast sent you. Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, Mackenzie at the bottom, Stubborn to Vapur, Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. For short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together. Pick that one. Bloma at back ahead of Manuel and Herisch Amenya. What a shot. Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come out now. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! victory. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Shannon Rollison podcast. For another week, my name is Robbie Cox, joined by the man himself, Mr. Shannon Rollison. Mate, how are you? Yeah, pretty good, Robbie. Um, been a good week. How, how about yourself? Mate, it's been good. And you've, you inspired me last week. You inspired me. Now, much to the unhappiness of my wife and many friends around me, uh, you inspired me. And I've held off to show you that if you can see here, I've ah, yeah. shaved my head. I've gone yeah. and shaved my head. You're getting serious. Yeah, well, you said it's time to get fighting, so I said, you know what, that's it, let's go. But unfortunately, as I did describe to you, I've got my receding hairline, which you don't have as badly, even though you're older than me, which I'm not overly happy about. So <laughs> it doesn't come out looking as good, but I'm ready to go. Plus, it's getting summertime, mate. So, you know, you always shave the dog come summertime. It's time to shave the head and... Get ready to go. So, yes, the head shaved, summer's ready. How's your week been? Yeah, pretty good. I, um, uh, I've been busy. I've been doing a couple of things, uh, family-wise stuff. Uh, and um, yesterday I caught up with John Fowley. Oh, yeah? So it's been a few years since I've seen him. So we caught up for uh, a couple of hours at my um, my go-to place here in Canberra. Yeah. Uh, Tilly's and um, as we were walking out and there was some big sort of production going on and cameras and all that and tents and, you know, they're obviously filming something. There's a bookstore beside uh, Tilly's there in Lynham. And yep. um, are you a Johnny English movie fan or a Death in Paradise ABC fan? Mm, not really. So you probably wouldn't know the actor Ben Miller? From the uh, UK, I might if I saw it, maybe I don't know by name. Yeah, so he's he's doing something um, there, and as we were walking out, I um I saw him, so 
I think he's a good actor. Like, you say hello? Hey? Did you guys say hello? No, I was a bit starstruck. Said to John, <laughs> hey, look, there's Ben Miller and John, who's he? He had no idea too. <laughs> so I'm sort of showing my age probably, yeah. unless you're a, um, a Johnny English movie fan. There you go. It's all happening down in Canberra. It's not lost on me, by the way, Shannon, that I revealed my hair to you and you didn't say whether it was good or bad or anything. You just looked back down at your paper and then <laughs> moved on. So that tells me all I need to know. Um, <laughs> maybe my wife and my friends were all correct when they were like, no, just put your hat back on. Um, <laughs> so we put it out there this week, Shannon, that we're doing a Ask Shannon Anything. Um, I like this one because it, even though we do the podcast to, to give people uh, an insight into your swimming brain, sometimes when we open it up to these guys and our listeners to ask questions, um, it's really good, gets a bit of engagement. So let's kick start. Let's get um, rocking and rolling. We'll, we'll go with this one. I'm, I'm going to go off order. Is there anyone that Shannon wished he'd coached since he's been coached? So I'm assuming... Let's go since you've been coaching. Let's not go too far back because then it opens opens the floodgates. But since you've been coaching, is there anyone that you ever looked at and thought, ooh, if I, if I worked with that swimmer? Oh, yeah. Um, straight off the top of my head, uh, Sarah Sostrom. Mm. Coached her for a week in uh, Spain uh, in 2011. Um, so Greg Salter was head coach then and um, – he just he just brought her in and uh, and she spent a week there. But um, yeah, probably that's the first one that comes to mind. Um, hmm, <laughs> it's probably the odd current one, but I don't want to say anything about that. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say the current ones, but yeah, <laughs> no, I, it's always interesting, isn't it? Um, and especially because you start to know your own personality and you know what you're good at and then you start to see, obviously, some of these swimmers in camps and stuff like that too. So you, I'm assuming you can start to work out whether you think you'd be a good fit. <clears throat> but um, Sarah Shostrom, well, it wouldn't be a bad one, would it? Yeah. <laughs> kind of the goat of female sprinting at the moment. Um, what's well, the for a reason? long time too, hasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, she don't look like she's slowing down either. Um, what's the race you're most looking forward to at next year's Olympics? Uh, straight off the top of my head? Yep. Women's 100 freestyle. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction in it, but yes. There's... um. And this is what makes next year so exciting because there's lots of different races where all the worlds are colliding, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Young swimmers, the swimmers, as, as we talked about with Sarah Showstrom, those sort of swimmers who are still there at the top of their game. And anyway, women's 100 freestyle. What a race. Do you reckon it'll be one at the front end or the back end? Um, most big meet competitions are one in the back end. Mm. I would put the Olympics in in most big meets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, next one. What's the best coaching job you've ever done? So, I guess to outline this question a little bit more, um, 
broadly? Like, we, it might not necessarily be just the the gold medal at the Olympics. Is there something that you've achieved with a swimmer that you thought, shit, that <laughs> that took a lot of effort? Not that the Olympic gold medal didn't. Uh, I want to sort of move that away a little bit. Is there an effort? Is there a coaching stint that you did with a swimmer that you look back on and thought, you know, you worked your backside off? You're really proud of that. Again, I, I, I don't want to downgrade the Olympic gold medals. But yeah. You know what I mean? I, I want to sort of take, is there something else? Did you achieve so more often, more often than not that maybe if they were with anybody else, that probably wouldn't have happened, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's probably a, there's definitely a couple. Um, the, so just a one-off swimmer, not a, Oh, you can put it however you want, really. It's your answer. Yeah, I, I think the best coaching job I ever did was when I was in Denmark. Uh, I think I was in the uh, sweet spot in my career. Uh, there was a lot of challenges um, working overseas and stuff. It really tests you. Um, not a lot of people do it. Um, so... For me, I I look back and I think I really would have regretted if I didn't do that, um, and I nearly didn't. Uh, um, yeah, like I said, there's it's probably not one answer, but if if I was to give one answer that people might be a bit maybe a bit surprised with, it's probably Belinda Hocking silver in Shanghai, in the turn of back. Um, yeah, she was just uh, a girl from the bush, you know, um, Wangaratta, you know, trained in Aubrey. And I remember one day she said to me, she thought she was going pretty good. And this was before, you know, um, you know, she had any sort of success. And she said, because I'm just from Wangaratta. So, you know, her mentality was, you know, just I'm just from the country. And, um, you know, I had to get her to believe that from that mentality you could race the world, you know. Yeah. No, they're, they're all the things that people don't see, you know, so. Yeah. No, that's very good. That's very good. I think I've asked this before, but I'm going to follow up with this again because you mentioned Denmark. If you could go anywhere right now and coach, I know you're liking where you're at, so I'm not trying to make it look like you're, you're trying to get out. But if you could go anywhere right now, if there's a coach listening to you thinking, geez, I want to get, I want to go out and I want to explore. I listen to the Shannon Rollison podcast and he talks a lot about getting outside my comfort zone and going somewhere. Is there, a, where, where would you, where would you like to go? Where's a good, and like take away where you like living because I, because I already know, I already know uh, lifestyle wise where you would probably want to go and live and, yeah. and coach. But is there a, is there a, a place at the moment, a country that's, that's having a really good positive movement maybe too, that you think if you went there, you're getting right in a sweet spot of, of, of their progression, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I, I don't know if they're having a good progression, the Scandinavian countries, but I just think that there's some good natural talent in the Scandinavian countries. Yeah. Um, they're surrounded by water. They have a high 
they have a high uh, participation rate um, opposed to their um, population. And swimming's a sport that, uh, whether it's Norway, Sweden or Denmark, they, they can do all year round. And there's not a lot of sports, not all sports, I should say, um, they can do that. Uh, and because they're very much surrounded and close to water, um, you know, everybody, it's a bit like here in Australia, they, um, everyone has to learn to swim and so things like that. Um, if I was trying to jump on a train moving in the right direction, mm. like you're saying, yeah, a country moving forward, uh, I'd probably say France, um, because, you know, they've got upcoming Olympics in Europe and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, the other, the other one. Yeah, that, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I started thinking of, of different countries, but yeah, that'd be my my answer. Um, I'd probably go. I'm not sort of one that tries tries to go somewhere where you know to to lift my career. I you know, um, but if I was trying to go somewhere that was going to lift my career, it'd, it'd be France. Yeah. Well, we see from most Olympic Games, don't we, that uh, obviously they ramp it right up for the Olympic Games, but then that holds on for years yeah. to come after that um, for a fair few years. So uh, you're probably spot on the money there. I've got a quick question, a follow-up. It's not on here. This is just my own question. We we can't all go in. So, for example, if I went to Denmark, I'm not Shannon Rollison. I don't have the runs on the board. What What's the coaching systems like for someone – use me as the example who's at an age group australian level who's I, I would call myself an average level coach i wouldn't say i'm a high elite level coach i would say i can coach age group swimmers yeah is there, is there um an appetite for that over there is it a lower paying like you know in australia uh, are we quite fortunate that you can sort of coach age group coaches and make a decent living is it different over there what give me a, a rough sort of Oh, well, you know, experience because I, I can just hear people when we talk about going over. Yeah. When you put your resume down, that's opening a few more doors than Robbie's resume is going to open. So, yeah. you know, just to give that perspective, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, I'll, I mean, I've coached in the UK and coached in, in Denmark. So, look, yeah, in Denmark, I was there a bit over 10 years, you know, beginning of 2013, I arrived January or something. Um, and we're at the end of 2023 now, so time flies, doesn't it? Yeah. I was quite surprised just how much money their their head coaches were getting. So, okay. um, you know, I'm in a better financial position now than I was 10 years ago. Uh, if I, I'd have, you know, and, and I'm thinking about what they were earning then, yeah. which was quite good. Um, I would say better than Australia. Okay. Um, from a, a head coach, especially of a club, mm. uh, maybe not those schools that we talked about last week, um, <laughs> but not far off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the setup's excellent. It, it's really, really good setup. Um, and I'm in a position now where 
I, I, I could easily do that. Um, um, so, yeah, if I was uh, a youngster um, or, you know, a, a good club coach here in Australia and they said to me, you know, what do you think? Should I take this club job in Denmark? Um, yep, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I really like their uh, their system of how they go through it. Um, took me a little bit to get my head around it, but uh, it's good. They're massive clubs. I think I've said it before on the podcast. Like like when I was there, like a small club was like 600 members and big clubs were 5,000. So do they have rather than – so, you know, here in – let's use New South Wales, Queensland, for example – Around every corner, there's another pool with another club, which you yeah. can choose between 100 to 200 swimmers, depending. Yeah. So is that air? Is that more of an area style club where instead of little clubs everywhere, they've got one big club that encompasses a whole area? Is that kind of the vibe, or no? No. Okay. Um, a lot of kids then. Yeah, yeah. So that that those numbers would include learn to swim, mm-hmm. right? Um, and um. Because you pay a lot of tax in Denmark, so those lanes uh, in those areas, you get allocated X amount of time. You know, so pools are just constantly being used. Yeah, um, and you're not paying for water from you know um, because you're paying it already in your taxes. So you know when they say you know the happiest nation in the world, a lot of times it's Scandinavian countries. It's because they've got you know. Great school systems that uh, you don't pay for, you know, um, sport. Um, you, as long as you belong to a member, you know, the council, you know, we, we would say the council pools, you know, you don't have to go in and pay. You just get allocated a time. Your yeah. time slots are like five to seven. And then at seven o'clock, you've got to be out because, um, you know, the next group's coming in and that time slot's done. And, you know, and then you met it medical and dentist and all that sort of stuff comes along with all the the tax you pay so you're getting a lot of things free or you're only paying through the tax once off so um now you know before we came on air um yeah we were talking about coaches um from a performance point of view getting moved on yeah uh that that'd be the one caveat (laughs) I saw a fair bit of that going on in Copenhagen. Yeah. So one one year they'd be at one club and the next minute they're at another club. But, you know, those clubs, they had good money. Like I was um, at the NTC there and um, uh, all the swimmers that I was coaching um, were had some form of sponsorship from a club. And, um, you know, it was nothing for them to swim for one club for one year and then swim for another club another year. And you'd, you'd go, oh, well, uh, you know, what happened here or why'd you move? Or, and that's, oh, well, they offered me this or that and yeah. blah, 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 blah. So. Um, Interesting way of looking at it with swimming, isn't it? Money for to swim at your club. Like imagine if you could just splash well, a bit of money and get an Olympian swimming for your club. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, the better the swimmer, the, the more got sort of thrown at them. But, like, I I, I had some my, – my youngest swimmers, I had two or three that were still going to school. They were, like, in year 11, year 12, that type of thing. Um, 
They were, you know, national final level here in Australia uh, in their events. Um, and they would get, you know, uh, swimmers, you know, all their three or four costumes a year paid for by the club. And and that might have been the thing that got them over the line, you know, um, because that's they're not cheap these days, are they? Um, and um, but you see, it was all around the championship meet that they'd help, that hold once a year. So, and I've spoken about this before, you know, where the top eight clubs are in Division One, and then the next eight clubs are in Division Two, and and they're trying to build go you know win their division and then yes. get bumped up um yeah like Rega, she was uh in 2014 she was in a in a little club and they were like division four but you know they were trying to get to division three now um when she went in there uh because Rega, you know i was being a breaststroker but she didn't go in and, and race the breaststroke events she went in and raced the medley events because they already had a good breaststroker so um so that that club was obviously and that coach were looking for a, you know a swimmer that one would lift the profile of the, of the club a little bit and you know help sponsors and uh things like that and um and then you know obviously help them on that championship day the so. downside to that is as we've spoken about on the podcast those sometimes those events clashed with when you were hoping she'd be having a yeah, week or an adaptation. Wait, wait. What do you mean you've got this? No, no. We're meant to be resting this weekend. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. So that was the time I was going to Einhoven, and I've got that film on uh, that race on film. And uh, Sander he filmed it for me when he was by Mac there in Einhoven, and um, so we'd gone to the. Uh, the Danish Open, and I just gave her three days rest, and she went two nineteen nine, and we were three weeks out from uh, the Einhoven meet, and I thought, oh, this is looking good. <laughs> I was going to taper her, yes, um, and she did a two week taper, but as the taper started, so it was like maybe ten days out or seven days out, something like that. She had to do this swim meet. So I, I just thought, oh, right. And she had the 200 IM, the 400 IM, the 4 by 2 freestyle relay. I'm like, what are you in the 4 by 2 What are you doing the 400? Oh. Then I said, oh, we'll just go easy. Well, you couldn't go easy because it was a point system. Hmm. So, <laughs> on, on the Monday, I said, oh, how'd the weekend go? She said, oh, blah, blah, blah. It was okay. But we had to do the 4 by 2 twice. I said, what do you mean? Someone got disqualified, so they had to rerun the race. She, she had to do two freestyle uh, 200s. Oh, boy. Oh, she went into a massive hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh. laughing now. I wasn't laughing then. <laughs> yeah, I can only, like, it, it sounds like a good system, but, yeah, I could imagine when you start having, say, for example, if that did happen here where, let's say, St. George Swim Club, where I coach at, we could... Um, pay money to get a, a top level swimmer racing for our club so they still trained at the hub let's say yeah. but they raced for us yeah i could only imagine the conflict <laughs> when the, yeah. the head coach is going oh, hang on now we're back and i'll go no well, hang on now we're paying this guy to race for our club so he'll yeah. pick up and he'll do it yeah yeah so that's where 
because they were getting uh, a sponsor, there was no way of getting out of that meet. No. You had to do it. And it was quite, you know, I've, I've, I'm at the NTC, I'm the head coach, and I'm employed to get results at an international level. Nobody else in that country was thinking about international. As one of their problems when we when I got there, the previous two head coaches, their assistant coaches had come from another country. So there was no Danish coach who had been to an international meet for a decade. So they just weren't thinking that, that they were employed at, at that club level, a bit like what I was talked about last week. Their employment was based on this championship meet, which was sometime in March. Um, it's a bit like the school coaches, you yeah. know. They've got to win that GPS meet or whatever the, the meet's called in in uh, Sydney, and that's their bread and butter, and they, they're going to get uh, out, outed if they don't do well and they keep the job if they do. Uh, so that's where their thinking is, and it was in complete contrast to where I was thinking. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could just, yeah, I can just I'm just imagining your face when she told you that she's got these all these races. Uh, <laughs> next question. What does Shannon think about race suits for junior swimmers? Good idea, bad idea. What's the age limit that he would recommend for swimmers starting to wear race suits? Now obviously the horse is pretty much bolted, so I, I doubt we yeah. can rein it back. But have you got thoughts on yeah. that kind of stuff? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> so they're a bad idea. Yes. And they shouldn't be allowed to a 15 years of age minimum. 15, you reckon? Yeah. Do you want to make it 16? <laughs> What's the what's the thought process on on age? Like I, I get the idea of juniors. What well, like what's what's is there a reason for the age? To what age uh, do like juniors? I mean, yeah. Depending on who you talk to, depends on senior state. This year, you can be twelve. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I, I think. Uh, my big reason would be finance. Yeah. That'd be my number one reason. My number two reason would be learn to swim properly. Um, and, uh, you know, they they mask, um, you know, poor technique and things like that. Um, so I think the, the more time you get to spend, coaches get to spend, teaching them properly and, and uh, technically and um, skills around the walls and starts and all that sort of stuff, uh, the better. And I, I just think from uh, purely, uh, you know, financially, like they're just, they're expensive, aren't they? Yeah. So I think um, however we can make the sport a bit cheaper, the better. They really are. Um, I, I still remember when we when I train, not we, because you're a little bit older than me and you swim at a way higher level than I did. But, yeah, I mean, it was just starting to come in, but it wasn't. It certainly wasn't what it is now, mm. where it's, what, five, six hundred. Some of the girls' costumes can be yeah. up to eight. Yeah. And they only wear them a certain amount of times. Yeah. 
You don't get that much wear out of them. No. And and, and everyone's willing to pay it. Shout yeah. out to our sponsors, Arena, by the way, who do great race suits. Uh, they are they are fantastic, but to to our point, it's at, at what level and what age should these kids be wearing them? Which yeah. I absolutely agree with. It 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 prices our sport way higher than it already needs to be, right? Yeah, definitely. Do you remember why or how it started, Shannon? Like as I said, it it was only sort of. A little bit. I mean, when I was watching swimming and a fan of it, you know, we had Thorpey's big suit and everyone had those different suits on. That was when it first sort of started coming in that everyone wanted to look at it. But then it just took off now where, like, even boys train with shorts on. Yeah, yeah. Short pants. Like, we never used to train with that. No. Yeah, I think uh, from memory, if I had to name a year, um, maybe 98. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that basically was just covering more skin, wasn't it? You know, there was no compression in it or anything like that. Uh, the suits, they last all year. Would You know, it was, you'd buy one and, you know, there was no chance of it ripping or mm. you, you could wear it quite a bit, you know. You, um, you didn't have to have two or three suits in the one season. So, um, and then I just think, uh, you know, some of the big wigs in, have obviously got together and gone, oh, we can, you know, we could run with this. And it kept running till we ended up with rubber suits in 2009 where you could only sort of wear them once or twice. And and, and we're probably not that far back uh, off off that again, really. Um, that that suit you could only wear a couple of times and the current suit's the same. So we're probably not that far from it. It just looks good. Coaches out there, maybe have a look at maybe a, maybe you could do a meet where you can only race in training suits, training, training costumes. Yeah. That was an idea of mine. I put to, um, a couple of people who were in that marketing, yeah, how'd that go? Yeah, it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, but my my concept was let's have a classic, you know, like um, you know, uh, get the corporates in. Everyone has to stand up in their their training cozies. Yeah, you know, they can be the best training cozies that they can possibly possibly get hold of, but they had to look like a pair of uh, you know eighties, seventies, or eighties costumes, and um, um, yeah. Because it would change. Results would change. I have no doubt about that. Um, mm. uh, you, you know, it, 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 either a different person would win or, you know, there's no doubt the times would change. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just think it would be interesting. And because of the interest, I think it would uh, is an opportunity to bring in, you know, uh, the corporate and sell the tickets and, you know, put on a dinner and let's see what happens here, you know. Yeah. Get you go, putting on a whole event, Shannon. Yeah. You've got with the court, the dinner as well and yeah, yeah. who's performing? Oh, Kiss. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's gold. Um, even the training suits these days are – so our, our – um, club have just started doing some stuff with Jolin, which is a, a brand that the girls love. 
Um, so we've got um, like club training costumes, which the girls can wear over their race suits in warm-ups and stuff like that as well. But even they're like 80 to 100 bucks just for this this little thing. So yeah. anyway, surprise of everything. I put petrol in this morning. Don't get me started on that. Um, so <laughs> everything's going through the roof. Uh, next question. How do you coach the psychology of swimmers, especially those lacking in confidence? So it's a fairly broad question, I guess, for at times quite an individual um, coach-swimmer relationship and battle. But how do you go in terms of trying to build, I guess, the swimmer's confidence? We've had chats about this in terms of sometimes even my athletes that train like lions and then race like mice. Yeah. I'm assuming that's essentially what we're trying to get to here, just the lack of confidence when we get to race yeah. race time and building that. How do you go about that? Um, I think as as time's gone on and I've coached more people um, and I've kept data and stuff like that, uh, start showing that, some of the sets, some of the results of sets of people got, years gone by, Um the you know i think if you're a younger coach and you haven't got that sort of library of of athletes to call upon um something that i you know was part of when i was swimming but also did back in the 90s a bit you know a get out swim um and uh setting a time that you think's the swimmer can achieve that the swimmer may not think that they can do that but um you know, they can get out or if you really want to have a crack, the whole group gets out, you know, um, and they rise to the occasion and you can build build some self-esteem that way. Um, and then just, you know, storytelling, you know, of, of you know, think I've used where, you know, people, you know, they, they think someone who wins an Olympic gold medal is, you know, bulletproof and perfect and you know ne has never done a thing wrong and never missed a session and was just an angel to work with you know um and uh you know just humanizing some of those types of people you know um you know i've told stories about you know jody's um you know doubts that she had when she was younger um at age nationals first olympic trials and even beyond that and quite often people would say oh, i never never realized that they would be like that or you wouldn't have thought they would have been like that you know so they're probably two or three things um i would hesitate or only use it as a last resort to bring in an, someone outside of that yeah i think you've got to try and build that um confidence but it's always better if you can build it between you and the swimmer yeah no i agree <clears throat> the sports psychologist i guess is what you're alluding to but yeah having that as a, a little cherry on top or a little bit of an extra rather than yeah you know that, that's that, that's the main course um next question go to progression for improving breaststroke pull do it what do you mean do it so go to progressions so you go to progressions 
What are, like, what are your progressions on, on improving the breaststroke pool? Do you have a progression drills? Do you, do you break it down? Uh, well, I've got some is drills. It a, is it a breaststroke pull or is it a sculling action? Um, well, I think sculling's good. I think your drills are good. But I think you just got to, you know, do breaststroke pull. So, um, um, yeah, you, you get good at what you do. So I, I would um, start off small and just build it through the season. You know, if, if I was trying to build someone's breaststroke pull up, you know. Um, that's certainly what I've, I've done with, with, you know, I, I did that with Rega. Uh, she was doing some big, big pull sets on a Monday morning. Isabella Johnson came in, um, you know, in February, January or February this year. And, and, uh, I thought her breaststroke pull needed some work and, and we just got to, got to work and started doing it. You know, um, you just got to be mindful that, you don't want to get to a place where it's broken down, you know, like you've got to go to the edge and then pull back or, you know, stop and then build slowly. Yeah. Uh, one of our last ones, Shannon, sprint freestyle program. What's the average distance per set or should it be? I guess this is a very broad question because um, off the back of our sprint revolution, <laughs> uh episode last week and everyone's got their own takes on it but you certainly are someone who you know have a sprint freestyle program essentially right now you've got a few different uh players in place down there but um does it fluctuate throughout the season too i mean is that there would there just wouldn't be just an average distance per session just based off it'd fluctuate wouldn't it yeah yeah look so is it set or session you know um it says per session yeah, so, oh, it'd fluctuate. It certainly fluctuates in my program, depending on the time of the year, you know, early season and, you know, it'd be three and a half K to four K. Um, but, you know, they'd have a couple of sessions when they come in and they're just doing two. Uh, that would, you know, the, the most, and I'm not talking about a 53 here, I'm talking about a, you know, a hundred meter event. Um, I'm renowned for going 5,400 meters. Um, that's probably the outer rim of, of, of it for, for a hundred meter person. Set wise, if you're working in that speed area and you're trying to develop speed, it'd be 180 meters to 200 and something meters, you know, no, no more than 300 meters. Mm. And when we're talking speed, what's the distance per effort, would you say? Uh, 30 metres and down. Um, so, yeah, 30 metres and down. So that's, yeah, why did I say 180 metres? Uh, I set that I do quite a bit, 630 metre walkbacks. Yeah. Um, what are, what's that on? Uh, two and a half minutes would be the shortest cycle. Four minutes, would get, I'd go out to. Yeah, depending on who it would be. Like if it was Bronte, I I, I could do that. Go out to four minutes. She she's pretty good with that sort of stuff. 
See, too, you've got an older athletes. As soon as I start giving my guys too much rest, you know what happens? They just start talking. <laughs> They're back there, yeah, yeah. Did you hear what she said? They're not, yeah. Hey, we're going on the top. Yeah, yeah. Fixing their goggles and everything. All right, yeah. I'm dropping the time cycle now. No more rest for you guys. Let's get going. Yeah, so, you know, two minutes 30, yeah, back when I had my age groups at Chandler before they were anyone that anybody knew, um, it was a two-minute 30 cycle. Mm. So. No? Very good, Shannon. Very good. Uh, mate, that's all the questions I've got for today anyway, so we'll, we'll wrap the questions up there. Thank you to all the people that sent through their questions, and hopefully we've answered uh, them as well as we could. Hopefully you're sitting there and going, oh, I always think there's someone who listens to it and gets in and goes, no, that's not what I wanted. You think, oh, well, <laughs> so, my bad. That's all we can do. Well, they go, is that all he's got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, I had my pen and paper and I was, I was ready to go. And then he <laughs> said, just do it. What do you mean do it? Yeah, do breaststroke pull. Do it. All right, yeah. Thanks, Shannon. Uh, <laughs> so that breaststroke. Well, you look good at what you do, don't you? And, um, and I remember Eddie Reese saying to me once when we were overseas at probably World Champs, uh, if you want to get good at something, do it three times a week. Three times a week. Hmm. What do you think about uh, kick versus pull? So interesting in terms of <clears throat> we see lots of other people do a lot of kick sets through the week or pull sets through the week. What What's your preference? Should we be doing both? Should we be mixing the kick and pull up within each set? Should there even be an outlying kick set through the week? Or what's your thoughts on that? This is from Robbie from sitting in here looking at you. Yeah, the – well, from yeah, the more sprinters I've got, the you know, the more I'd be doing pull. Um, so uh, historically, I've done a lot of pull with, with those sprint types. Um, but I think, look, you should you should have a mixture of both. You know, kicking's you know really important. I think. You know, I've talked about in the past, uh, Doug Frost used to say 20%. Uh, I'm definitely around, you know, I, I think anywhere from 10 to 20% is a good number. Um, you know, we've got up to about, you know, 7,000 metres of kicking in a week. Pulling, um, like I said, you know, the, the more the sprint type, the, the more they would do a bit of pull because uh, – I like it from the fact that um, it lowers heart rate for some of those um, sprint people. Uh, they can swim long distances without it affecting them technically, you know, poorly. Um, you can go fast pulling without producing lactate. Um, so it's, it's good from that sense as well. Um yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, I'm sort of a fan when it comes to pulling of, of you know, going through the whole range from aerobic, short speed, short rest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bring it up, I guess, um, I was reminded yesterday um, of a, 
a, a sit down we did once with Drew when I was coaching up in Queensland and he spoke about the percentage of the result in a race that goes towards the pull yeah. and the percentage of the result that goes towards the kick. And mm. I think it was something like 70 something of percent of the result is based off the pull. Yeah. Um, so, he, and he didn't say what was right or wrong. He was just asking the question, like, do you guys do more mm. kick sets or pull sets? And most people were saying, oh, we do kick sets. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm telling you 77% of the, the results based off pull. Yeah. So it's just sort of opening people's minds and, um, and that sort of made me aware because we were doing probably more kick sets at the time too. So then it, I, we still do kick, but we kind of blend it in and out of our sets now rather than doing a designated, yeah, you know, a thousand kick where you can m mix that thousand in over the whole session, if that makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, just chucking that out there. My last question, Shannon, before we finish up, um, we are now four weeks away, five weeks away from, from state age championships here in new south wales and i think up in queensland as well um what, what are what are the programs looking like at the moment if you were coaching an age group you were a little bit different in terms of your, your guys are all older so i you know maybe your daughter's there but she's probably the only age group swimmer yeah um what are we looking at in terms of program rise where where are we at what what are the do's and don'ts at this point in time when you're four or five weeks away in terms of gearing up it, most people would want to do really well at state age in december yeah I, i'd be um trying to get them to yeah and, and when i started this program that's all i had was age groupers um and uh i, I was always trying to get them to be able to swim well at that december meet you know um and and particularly at that age you know and yeah we were coming from canberra you're outlaying money you know so if you're going to move go to sydney you're going to make try and at least swim well mm. um so anyone who's got to travel for that meet you know keep bear bear that in mind but i always um had somewhere to go you know so i thought oh if i could get them to swim well at that meet with that sort of work you know the age nationals would be the the meet that we were um targeting for the year so um and in that group mo you know it's probably 60 percent didn't need to qualify 40 percent needed to qualify so you keep that in mind um those fringe athletes um but four four five weeks out we'd be doing some pretty heavy lifting and um and then i would be backing them off you know and i can remember you know some uh prominent coaches in sydney shall we say <laughs> say ah oh, you know you don't taper for this meet and stuff like that well it's easy to say when you're just you know living at home and all of that sort of stuff but you know when you're traveling and that you've got to rest them a bit um and i always sort of thought this state championship meet I, I think it's better off being in January um, because it just gives you a bit more time to get ready. And I know a lot of people don't like it because uh, it's Christmas and all that sort of stuff. Oh, well, find another job. <laughs> so, 
Oh, I love when you say that. I'm one of those people, by the way. I like it in December. <laughs> I think, um, well, not just for the fact that uh, for as coaches in terms of having time with our family and stuff like that, it's just even the buy-in you get from the swimmers. You know what happens in January, Shannon. Where do they go? I'm going on holidays. I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm going here. Yeah, well, see, that didn't happen in Brisbane. Well, why'd they move it to Je- December then? Well, that I don't know. Um, I know Drew likes it in December, so we disagree with that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, look. I get my- what you're saying, though. I'd love to just get the numbers, though, because it used to be in January, so I'd love to have a look at the numbers in terms of how many used to uh, participate in January and now how many participate. If it's pretty much even, then sure, I'll, I'll go with what you're saying. I don't mind if it if the numbers even out, level out. Yeah, yeah the, the entire time I coached at Chandler and the entire time I swam in Queensland, it was in January. So I, I never knew it to be anything else. Yeah. Um, and it was only until I started in, in this role that I ever had to get someone ready for a December meet. No. Um so it must have changed some some time after the Athens Olympics. Um, the yeah, and you know, you soon find out who's keen, don't you? And look, yeah, you know, I'll just look back and go, all right, yeah, I just had a great group. There, I'm sure there was someone that I can't remember must have had holidays, but you know. Maybe their name is Johnny Farquhar. I don't know. <laughs> Johnny so, um, I'm going to find him too, you know. I'm sure they had a good holiday, but they never did anything in swimming. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, the keen swimmers will be there. Um, I, I guess it's just casting that net a bit wider and you get more people. But as I said, the numbers might not. I haven't done the data on it, so the numbers might not back me up. I'd love to have a look back when state senior state was in January and – yeah, uh, I'm on that board now because I complained. Mm, yeah. so I should ask. I, I'll try and find out for you. Yeah, please don't. Just oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I know you're trying to get it to January, and I don't want it in January. I'm going <laughs> to get on the board too to counterbalance this now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, like I get you, as I said, and and I always went in January, and we you manage your, your holidays in and around that, and you you work it out in the end anyway, but. Um, I think once I went to December, I found it easier to get buy-in from my team anyway to know that we're heading to December. And then after December, um, they have a week or so off through Christmas and then we're back and we're back training through January rather than um, racing. But hey, it did work before, so. Yeah, well, I, I can remember like school hol- holidays had starting December sometime and you'd have like, but it felt like you had the entire December to get to just go hard uh, right up to Christmas doorstep. Uh, and then, you know, they had a couple of days off and then, um, which was a great for an adaptation, you know, and then you'd come back and, uh, you know, they were always around like the 5th of January or the 9th of January, depending on when the, the Monday fell, you know. So, do you ever do the hundred one hundreds at Christmas? No, 
What do you think about that? Let's just just leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to upset anyone else. But um, the. uh, I had a feeling that's why I thought I'd ask that question. (laughs) I'm getting to know you very well. I'm starting to learn the the right buttons to push. I I can remember people. yeah, you know, they'd uh, off the back of states, they'd go and go down the coast or things like that, you know. Mm. So, because when school go back, February? Yeah, February. Yeah, usually yeah. the beginning of. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, team. Well, yeah, as I said, hopefully you guys got something out of today. Hopefully, thank you very much to the people who sent through their questions. I make a point of not naming who writes them because I don't know if they want me to name them, but. Um, because I know other podcasts name the people who are asking the questions, but I purposely don't just for them to hold their anonymity. Um, but thank you very much for sending through your questions. Um, they were fantastic, and hopefully we did our best to to answer them really well. And to all the listeners out there listening in, hopefully you got something out of today as well. Uh, have a great weekend. Uh, what do you got going on this weekend, Shannon? I'm out at Homebush for two days, so it's exciting times. Uh, I've got a breaststroke camp. Oh, Yeah. Starts Friday, finishes Sunday morning. Um, so you're leading that. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm leading that. Dobbo is. Um, well, he said he was coming. Maybe after my comments last week, maybe he's not. Um, <laughs> haven't heard that. <laughs> so um, yeah, Dobbo and I are running the breaststroke camp, and uh, looking forward to that. Um, Really happy with where my guys are at, uh, swimming well. So, uh, and then the following weekend, we've got a, a local swim meet. And I think that following weekend, New South Wales has got part two of the camp. So, Sand is going to be down uh, this weekend. He's, run, he's running the sprinters. And then next weekend, it's the backstrokers, medley swimmers, butterflies. Um, ben, then he's taken up the I am, I am backers. I think he's doing, yeah. So uh, anyway, so yeah, it's over a two weekend here in Canberra. Um, but but that following weekend we're racing for anyone who's in my group that isn't involved in the back medley. And I've got a couple. So um, yeah, so I'll be busy, but um, um, we're in a good, pretty good place at the moment. Um, I like where the group's going, so I'm full of beans. Actually, hey, I actually, uh, when I mentioned um, to John, he'd never heard of the Shannon podcast, by the way, <laughs> um, but he said he would come on. Oh, there you go. Well, let's make it happen. We need to get a few more guests on. I've had a few people asking when are we going to get someone else on, so... Needed to get a few more guests. By the way, it's not like we we just always forget to ask, and then we just jump on and start talking. So I'm sure I'm sure there's people that would be happy to come on. We just we just get in the motions and away we go. And um, so we need, we do need to get a few more people on. So yeah, let's make it happen for sure. Sounds good. Still got to do that Don Talbot stories podcast. Remember we said we were gonna we, sh- we were gonna do one about um, just get a few of you you guys that were in, in and around the Don Talbot era. Just to just to tell stories about <laughs> the old days and things you learnt, and it wasn't just the funny stories, but things you you know that's still with you today. And but then yeah, funny stories as well. We got to do that. Have, have I ever told you my uh, Don Talbot Grant Hackett 
story. Oh, I had to look after Grant Hackett when I, I was young. No, yeah. I don't think you have. That's a good one. I've got a few Don Talbot stories, as uh, <laughs> we a few people have. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I think you've told one, and then yeah, I think off the back of that, we said, oh, we should we should do an episode. So we'll we'll get to that as well. Uh, all right, guys, thank you very much for joining us. Have a great weekend. We'll see you all again next week. Bye for now. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck, and there's a pair of DMC fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code OFFTHEBLOCKS for a 10% discount at checkout.